Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. The scripture reading for today is from Luke 6, 46 to 49. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and please turn to there now. <clears throat> Starting in verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Building a strong foundation is important no matter what we do. If you're learning how to read, you must learn the alphabet. And then you must start with small words such as and and the before you work up to words such as anti-disestablishmentarianism or pneumo-nultra-microscopic silico-volcano coniosis. And yes, those are real words. That's the longest word in the English language, by the way. Track stars need to start with learning how to run properly while breathing in a special way. Swimmers practice their basic strokes over and over and over. Regardless of what we do, we have to start with the basics and build that strong foundation if we want to be successful. As Christians, we must have a strong foundation for what we believe and for why we believe it. And it starts with the Word of God. This gives us the foundation that we need. It doesn't answer all the questions that we might have, but it does give us enough information to tell us what we need to know. And we have certain core activities that we call Christian work in which we should be engaged, whether that's the spiritual discipline such as studying the Bible or praying or just our reflection on what we've been reading or witnessing to others through evangelism and sharing the gospel or just doing things to show our neighbors that we love them. The way that we live and the way that we grow are based upon the foundations upon which we build our lives. From the reading in verse 49, Jesus said, But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. Without a good foundation in whatever it is we're doing, you will eventually fail. Ted Williams, who was a famous basketball player back in the 1940s and 1950s, he was known as being a natural hitter. The guy could hit the ball. And he was once asked in an interview about his natural hitting ability. And he replied, there is no such thing as a natural born hitter. I became a good hitter because I paid the price of constant practice, constant practice. 
We must be the same way. We must pay the price of constant practice, constant practice. Why? Because that's what we are called to do. We are called to practice the spiritual discipline so that we can grow in our faith. We are called to practice evangelism so that we can share the faith with others. We are called to make Jesus Christ our role model and live our lives as he taught us to live. And from Matthew 4.19, which is the, the keystone verse of this church, we are called to follow Jesus, to allow him to transform us so that we can become fishers of men. That's the verse that says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We are to be disciples, making disciples who make disciples. But Jesus gave us the exact prescription on how to build that foundation for our lives. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 28, where he said, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. I want to read that again. Just part of it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. This is reiterated in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 40. Under different circumstances, which tells us that Jesus said this probably quite a bit. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor like yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. So that is how we build our foundation by loving God first and then loving others. As Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. That's the entire Old Testament. This is hugely important because everything that we do in our lives comes back to loving God first and loving our neighbors, or at least it should. Everything we do in our lives. At the beginning of the reading, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? The point of this parable is a true foundation of genuine discipleship compared with a false foundation of counterfeit discipleship. And he explained this using a story that most listeners, including modern listeners today, would be familiar with. Because most of us have seen the construction of a building, whether it was a large commercial building or a house being built in a neighborhood, we've seen that. And regardless of how big that building is, we know that you've got to have a good foundation if you want a building to last. And usually, whether it's construction or something else, we need to learn from someone who has experience in whatever it is they're doing either using them as an advisor or as a teacher in order to build that good foundation. Like Jesus, we can learn so much from Jesus if we study his word. In this case, he even says, 
whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. And then he tells the story of these two builders, one who builds on the solid foundation and one who builds on a foundation that washes away easily. We must build our lives on a solid foundation. And there's only one foundation upon which to build that. And that's provided in 1 Corinthians 3.11, where it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And that foundation is built upon by loving God and loving others. All of us are building our lives. And all of us are building our lives on either the world, which is evil and fallen, or upon Jesus Christ, who is the very definition of good and perfection. The wise builder is building on Christ, but the foolish builder is building his life on the world. The wise builder is placing God first in everything that we do. We make decisions based on what God has explicitly told us in Scripture or based on the principles of biblical decision-making. The foolish builder, however, is building focused on themselves first, or their family first, or their education first, or money first. Regardless of what it is they place first, if it is not God, then it is foolish, and it will not be blessed by God. It may be applauded by Satan, and those people may see success according to worldly standards. But that's just foolish. It's interesting to note that in this story also, both the wise builder and the foolish builder are calling on Jesus as Lord. And again, he says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do the things that I say? This is similar to Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Just because someone calls on Jesus does not make them a Christian. There are a lot of people today who are calling on Jesus, but they are not willing to actually follow him. They call his name, but they don't listen to what he says. They call his name, but they don't repent of their sins and trust in him as their personal Lord and Savior. They call on his name, but they never pick up the Bible to see what he's told us. They call his name, but they don't love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. And they certainly don't love their neighbors as themselves. They call his name, but really only when it's convenient for them to do so. They call his name, but then they ignore what he tells them. They call his name, but they're too busy with their own lives to try to follow Christ and to do what he's asked them to do. They call his name, but they're really only ready to place their trust in him when it's too late, when they're standing before the throne. They call his name, but it's a false profession of faith. One cannot profess to follow Jesus without actually doing what Jesus says. They are foolish builders. They are not disciples. What is really unfortunate about this is that some of them even believe that they are saved because they've been told by someone else that just because they made a profession of faith, even if it was false, because they think it's real, that their name is sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life, but they built their foundation on nothing. They made a false profession. Even if they believed it to be true at the time, because if they never actually committed to Jesus Christ by repenting of their sins and trusting in Him as their personal Lord and Savior, 
and then actually modeling their lives after Jesus, that it was a false profession. They called on him, but they weren't serious about it. And if they're not serious about it, Jesus is going to tell them, I never knew you. Jesus specifically describes obedience as a necessary element to being a disciple, to being his follower. Just a profession of faith is not enough. There must be repentance from sin and an actual decision to trust in him, again, as personal Lord and Savior. Now, I know that most of you know this and you've already done this, but it's also important for you to be able to know this so that you can explain it to other people. That's the whole point. That's why I say this so much, because, hey, I, my job as a pastor is not just to preach the word or to counsel people, but my primary job is to equip the members of the congregation to do the work of ministry. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. My job is to help you build your foundation so that you can grow in order to disciple other people. And the foundation of that discipleship is obedience to the word of God, obedience to the commands of Jesus. The true disciple, therefore, is going to lay a strong foundation. But the false disciple does not lay a foundation, or at least not one that's built on the word of God. Ephesians 4.14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried along with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. If we have a solid foundation on the word of God, we don't have to worry about that. We don't need to concern ourselves with somebody trying to convince us of something that sounds good, but is really false doctrine because we will know better. But here's the thing. If we have someone who is a new Christian, we need to disciple them. We need to teach them and to bring them under our wing so that they don't get sucked in by that false doctrine. We teach them to discern it. And it always, again, always goes back to what the Bible says. Here's the thing. I'm a man. I'm not God. I'm not perfect. But I will always do the best I can to preach the truth of the word from the Bible. I believe that the Holy Spirit will guide me as I'm doing that. But I'm still just a man. I ask that every, each, every single one of you, each and every one of you, recognize that you need to be studying this Bible. You need to be paying attention to what this says for you to build your foundation. Because you need to be able to make sure that what I tell you is biblical truth. And if I say something that is incorrect, you need to call me out on it. You need to be able to point it out and say, hey, that's not what the Bible says. That's contradicting what the Bible says. I don't believe I've ever done that, but there's a, a pastor that I have a lot of respect for. He was a pastor of well-known in the 20th century, R.C. Sproul. And I've never read or seen anything that he wrote or heard him speak, anything that I think was contrary to what the Bible said. But R.C. Sproul said that he hopes that at least 50% of what he preached from the pulpit was the truth. He believed everything that he preached was the truth. 
but he hoped that at least 50%, because there are some things in here that are confusing. If he feels that way, he's much smarter than I am. I certainly hope that what I preach is always the truth, which is why you have to be able to go back to this Bible and read it for yourselves and discern that truth. Because I am just a man. An incredibly handsome man, I know. But just a man nonetheless. I'm not claiming to be a prophet, just a pastor. And again, I'm certainly not perfect. And you don't follow pastors. You follow Jesus Christ. So we go back to what Jesus told us in the Bible. We have to make what the Bible says the priority of the message. And if you ever hear a pastor say something different, then run away from them as fast as you can because they are not representing Jesus Christ. They're representing the evil one. And there's a lot of that going on in American so-called Christian churches. A true disciple will come to Jesus first. Then they will hear what Jesus has to say. And then they will do what Jesus says to do. A true disciple will build a firm foundation and they will dig deep while they're doing that. For example, not a superficial study of the Bible, but digging into the Bible to really check and see what it says, to make sure they know what God is saying. If the Bible is God's word, and it is, then it's important that we do everything we can to bring this message into our lives. We have to know what it says. We have to take this message from God, literally. We have this here. It's literally the word of God. And yet so many people leave that Bible sitting on their shelves, gathering dust. We've got to have a firm foundation. So when the storms of life come, and they will, we remain standing. And we are told that if we seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, that everything we need, all of our necessities, will be provided for us. In Matthew 6, 31 to 34, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. And for those of us who build our lives on this solid foundation of Jesus Christ, we know that no matter what happens in our lives, even when we experience pain and suffering, we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's from Romans 8.28. If, if you've built your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that's awesome. But if you haven't, friends, it's not too late. It might be too late in 30 minutes on your drive home. But right now, it's not too late. We don't know what the future holds for us. I want to ask everybody for a moment to close your eyes and bow your heads. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, and I'm the only one looking, raise your hand if you haven't yet placed your trust in Christ and you would like to. And we can talk afterwards. And if you're uncomfortable doing that right now, then just talk to me afterwards and we can do it then. But if you're getting that little voice in your head that tells you that you should be talking to me, you need to listen. All right, go ahead and open your eyes. If there's anybody online that has not placed her trust in Christ 
and you want to do that, you have our contact information, please reach out. Regardless of how old you are or how long you've been a Christian, we need to keep focusing on building that foundation and making it stronger each and every day. Some days will be better than others, but every day is a day to build. Truly just love God first and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, we praise your holy name. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for the opportunity to share this message and to hear this message. We pray that these words affect the listeners in the way that you want them to. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us, and we ask that you continue to bless us so that we may use those blessings to bless others and to build your kingdom. We pray that you open opportunities for us to bring others to you. All this we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed, and then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support, and may God bless you. Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because He loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God, repent of your sins, in other words, you have to turn away from them, and turn your life over to Jesus, asking him and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect, but you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, 
If you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.